Hello. I'm Grace. And I am Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies! We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they may be even better for adults. Yep, yep, yep. This week, Dog's Body by Diana Wynne Jones. Ruff. <laughs> what a title Dog's Body yeah. is. It's just perfect. What a what a wild book, too. What a book. Yeah. This book was published in 1975, making it the earliest oh. Diana Wynne Jones book that we've covered for okay. the podcast. It was her fifth novel, um, so pretty early on in her very prolific writing career. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. I I kind of wondered because it is like I feel like it's a little different than most of the stuff we've read. Um, yes and no. I mean, in my opinion, we'll get into it. I guess um, maybe for me, it was just the darkest thing we've read by her, um, and I felt like that was. I guess I disagree. I think Homeward Bounders is her darkest book mm. that we've covered. Okay. I I'm always hit harder by animal pain than I am by human pain. As someone who whose life was ruined by the Tigger movie, um yeah. yes. I yeah. I mean I'm talking about Madeline, not no, no, myself. I'm, me, me. I was like twelve when I saw that movie and I my mom You had were a, younger than twelve for sure. I don't think I was because I remember mom being like or no, I don't I don't think mom said anything about me being too old. I just remember thinking that I was like I'm but I'm okay. so old and I have to walk out of the Tigger movie because I'm weeping <laughs> with my mother. No, <laughs> the Tigger movie came out in 2000, so you were 10 if that. You were 9 or 10. Okay. Cuz you saw it in theaters. Yeah, I was wrecked by it. I would be wrecked by it if I saw it now. My age is not important here. <laughs> it, it, I think it is, though. I think, like, being 9 or 10 and seeing the Tigger movie is... You're, you're just in a different emotional place than if you were 12 plus. Okay. I think what happened is mom was just like, man, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't... I thought you would enjoy this. Like, I didn't think it would be traumatizing. It's the Tigger movie. <laughs> well, a lot of people said that about the Tigger movie. Yeah. <laughs> what a mess. So we do thoroughly spoil every book that we cover. If you haven't read this one before, definitely recommend that you check it out. It was out of print for quite a while. Mm. It was re-released in 2012, and there is an e-book that's pretty widely available. Um, that seemed to be what was easiest for us to get our hands on. Not to Seattle Public Library had it through Libby. So check out Libby. Yeah, yeah. Check out Libby. I, I got it through Kindle, but it's always best if we don't support Amazon. Thank you. So Madeline, would you like to give us a breakdown of how the publisher chose to package and promote this book? Side note, this is for the current edition. We did not read this when we were young. This was a request from Kem Galaxy, Quem Galaxy, not sure how to pronounce on Instagram um, from a long time ago, but we were very intrigued by the premise, very excited that we got around to it. Yeah. Our request list is Probably has every Diane Wynne Jones book ever <laughs> written on it. And we plan on getting to them all eventually. And we love it. And we love it. Um, I do think like a lot of her earlier books especially have these really enigmatic titles. Mm, <laughs> yes. I really love. Like Archer's Goon. Although I don't know how early that one is. Uh, it was, that's from the 80s. Okay. Archer's Goon. Still, um, what, a, what a title. 
No, yeah, magnificent. <sighs> um, so this edition that we're going to be discussing this cover, this is from the Kindle ebook. Okay. So Madeline, tell us more. I couldn't find who made it. This was re. <laughs> It was republished by Firebird, which is a subsidiary of Penguin that primarily bring, brings back into active print um, defunct YA mm. fantasy and sci-fi. Okay. Um, and so this is kind of a more modern like graphic design is my passion type yeah. cover. Um, I do like it more than I usually like those, uh, probably because it has more to do with the actual book rather than just being like a bunch of stylistic stuff that they stuck on it. And um, there's also a cute dog. Yes, there's a cute dog with the shining eyes, like who looks both cute and also very intense, which I think is is good. Um, like that's correct because uh, Sirius is like clearly an adorable dog, but also like you know, otherworldly, like, because, uh, and, uh, there is this, this sort of white, uh, cutout of this celestial being behind Sirius. Um, maybe it's supposed to be the sun, the sun. his companion, like some, or it could be him even. It mm-hmm. could be Sirius, like in his actual form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, and then there's a bunch of just like, um, it's an overlay of like a historic celestial map. Yeah, because I can see some like artist rendition of uh, constellations mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very colorful. Um, there's like the white juxtaposed with the red in the lower corner. Um, sort of an aurora borealis vibe going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily think like I if I looked at this cover and I hadn't read the book yet, I don't know if I would get the impression that's that true to the book. It looks like first of all, just sort of goofy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The little dog with the shining green eyes and like a sun angel behind him is it, a lot. It looks like it's for a much younger audience. Younger audience. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, a cute story about being in a dog's the body. The magical dog. <laughs> and I, I, I was thinking we should do a content warning, but I, I could just say it now. Um, yeah. That there is a lot of animal abuse in this book, just like a lot, and human abuse as well. There is a a little girl that's like one of the main characters in the story and she is just like so neglected and abused and she like does all the family's chores and like the dog gets beat all the time and like there's people trying to kill dogs, especially trying to drown puppies. There um, are drowned puppies in the first few pages. In the pages very opening of, of the book. So the it main does, chapter. Yeah. yeah, it does tell you what you're in for right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but just FYI, if you are oh, like very sensitive to that, or if you're just not in a place where you want to be listening to that, um, you should probably skip this episode and not read this book. <laughs> but if you are able to, it's, it's a very incredible book that I I would very much recommend. 
And I will say, like, there's nothing in it that is any different from, like, your average Raw Doll book. That's like, true. It's just, like, more honestly violent than yeah. a lot of books for younger readers. It reminded me a little bit of um, Black Beauty, that old book about mm-hmm. the horse, because there's a lot of... Um, kind of like blasé animal abuse towards the Mm -hmm. horses in that book. But it is Mm -hmm. like a very realistic depiction, Mm -hmm. just like in Dog's Body. Like this is like it could be a very normal dog's life or like lack of life rather. Yeah, totally. People are terrible. Be nice to animals, please. They are. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, Um, there's the content warning. Okay. So done with cover, right? Uh, Yeah. I do not have anything else to say about it. I what the only other thing I'll say about the cover is I really don't like the font that Dog's Body is written in. It's a sort of like modified uh, papyrus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not good. It's the, a, it's the a little overall bit, text treatment is pretty weird. It's it reminds me a little bit of the Animorphs covers. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> Animorphs vibes, and I have on one episode. I don't remember which one I now. We've talked, talked about, about Animorphs fear before. of the Animorphs voice. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's I'm probably biased because of that. I will say, speaking of childhood book-related fears... Speaking I of animorphs. I went to my favorite used bookstore this week in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, and they... Mondragon Books, shout out anyone in central Pennsylvania. It's a really cool store. Um, they had in a dark, dark room the children's picture book of scary stories um, that is the one that actually scarred me most kids cite or you know most 90s kids cite scary stories to tell in the dark as the most disturbing scary story book but in a dark dark room is what did it for me it has girl with the green ribbon um, yeah and justice bought it my friend is staying (laughs) with me and i looked at the picture that brought me months of sleepless oh no why grace because I just wanted to like see, you know, how I felt about it. We okay. also watched The Ring yesterday. I'm really confronting all these wow. childhood fears. <laughs> wow. Uh, spoiler alert, if you didn't see The Ring when you were a child and avoided it your whole life until you're 35 and then you watch it, it's not scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also set in Seattle. So that was a nice little like... yeah. I miss Seattle so much. So my homesickness was kind of soothed by that. Yeah. I watched The Ring when I was like 12, 13 during a sleepover. And then we slept in front of the TV all night because we were in the oh basement. Oh, my God. Uh, so oh that, no. was, that was tough. Um, oh no. But we did rewatch it recently. And I didn't. I wasn't like pulled into the same sort of visceral yeah. fear. And there's been so I, much. I really liked it. It's a good movie. Yes. Yeah. I enjoy the movie, but especially there's been so much uh, like goofing and like parodies about the faces. Like there's a family mm-hmm. guy bit that I couldn't stop thinking about when oh. we see the faces. <laughs> it was like a funny one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Well, anyway, that's our Halloween tangent. <laughs> this is technically going to be our Halloween episode. <laughs> can, we, can we put in like a soundbite of like a one of those pumpkins, like, happy Halloween, <laughs> with a little right. sound box in it. I'll add that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, you. sometimes we do try to pick a more Halloween-themed episode for this one. We're going with the idea of your dog body being a costume for your celestial self. <laughs> This, I think this is a pretty scary book in a lot of ways. It is, it is yeah. a scary book. Yeah. It is. 
So let's get into a little plot summary. I'm going to be somewhat brief because as with many Diana Wynne Jones books, it is twisty, it is curvy, a lot goes on. And there are, there's a mystery. There's also just like a dog trying to grow up. There's also a little girl trying to like find her place in the world and family and social life. Um, There's the backdrop of the troubles. Um, There isn't a clear year when this is necessarily set, but I am thinking it is set around the time it came out in the mid seventies. Um, and so there are, as with so many Diana Wynne Jones books, there's the political context, there is the geographical context, um, there's really myth coming to life in our world mm-hmm. with these very specific details to make it feel like it's really on our plane of existence. And to, uh, I did notice that they, um, not not that I'm like necessarily calling this a fault, but I did just want to contextualize the troubles a little bit. Um, it wasn't just like Irish people being bad and violent. There was a long history of oppression of the Irish people by the British uh, colonialism, basically. And it was a reaction to that. Um, and there was violence on both sides. It, like I said, it, it was not a, like a unilateral thing of like trying to overthrow a, a just government. Let's Let's just put it that way. It's a lot more complicated. For sure. And I think Diana Wynne Jones clearly in the book, the anti Irish people are, are terrible. The villains. Yeah, very like, much. I so. I really didn't think the book did portray it as something one sided, did you? No, I didn't. I just like it, yeah, that we very much got the like racism bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like historically, when you talk mm-hmm. about like the macro events, like people just kind of and I, I think that that well, was, I think in the US, especially people have a very poor understanding of Irish history. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that the book did a bad job of it. I think that the context is just important because there's not that much macro context. It's just like in her own life, how in she's being negatively affected by it yeah exactly I just a lot of our listeners you know we have a lot of listeners abroad everyone in the UK hi we love you um and we know that better context for our American listeners exactly that's that's what I'm trying to say yeah um in America we don't we didn't really learn very much in school about the history of uh, Irish attempts at independence or like any kind of more nuanced look at Irish um, Irish groups that weren't loyal to the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, what I liked in this book is that even though we're constantly told, you know, Kathy's dad is bad mm-hmm. because he's in jail. That's all coming from like these gross, horrible people like Duffy. Yeah. Um, and she is so excited to see her dad again. And when he has escaped from prison, that's treated as, you know, like a big positive event. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I do think that the way that it was handled while it was limited in scope um, was still an interesting 
approach. And Diana Wynne Jones lived in Wales for many years. Like she's yeah. very familiar mm-hmm. with the struggles of the different countries that are trapped under the United Kingdom banner to maintain or obtain their own political, like relative autonomy. So getting into the summary, the protagonist of the book is Sirius, who is the dog star. It is a little confusing because there are like figures attached to each star and planet, but it seems like the bodies, the planetary bodies exist separate of those figures, Mm -hmm. but the figures are assigned to them to monitor and take care of any issues that arise. And so Sirius has been the dog star luminary for who knows how long. Yeah. Oh, because it's interesting. The the planets themselves do clearly have um, like a sort of personhood like earth. Mm -hmm. I thought of it as like Gaia, like exists Mm -hmm. and is just Mm -hmm. like kind of under the sphere of different celestial bodies, which Mm -hmm. astronomically I think makes sense. Like it all kind of worked for me at like thinking of the actual science and the way we think of things. Yeah, it's, we've already mentioned Archer's Goon, which we do have an episode on, but it was very reminiscent of that in wherein these um, sort of conceptual entities are given real tangible form. Mm -hmm. In Archer's Goon, it's like the different types of industry. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And here it is the stars. Yeah. Yeah. And Sirius is kicked out of his post and brought to trial for losing a Zoi, which is something that's (laughs) kind of mysterious and remains mysterious throughout the book. It is essentially like harnessed power. And it's a little like a black hole type of vibe. Sort of, yeah. It's just very mysterious power. And mysterious to everyone. Um, no one totally understands Zoe, but if they get into the wrong hands, you know, it's like a ring of power type thing. Yes. Like, yeah. It can wreak havoc and destroy entire galaxies yeah. if misused. So Sirius has maybe killed another luminary and in the process lost that Zoe. He doesn't really think that he did that. He's a little hazy on the specific details and also just initially is kind of an unreliable narrator and doesn't want to like tell us the readers or the other characters exactly what happened. He's in a lot of denial. He is. Um, but he is punished. They, uh, the other stars, you know, the star like conference group, um, (laughs) the board, the board of directors, the galactic empire, (laughs) um, they decide that he is going to be sent to earth to live in a dog's body. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's the name of the book. That's the name of the book. (laughs) And he, within his dog's lifetime has to recover the Zoe. If he can do that, then he gets to come back into his being body. But he has, in the dog's body, he just has a dog brain, so it's really hard to it's really hard. compute things. <laughs> it's really hard. He has big, dumb dog thoughts that yeah. are just at the forefront yeah. of everything. So he's reincarnated as a puppy being born with a litter of puppies, the uh, breeder who... Uh, yeah 
whose dog birthed them decides to drown all but one of them because Sirius's eyes are bright green. Yeah. And he just looks a little different from yeah. what they expect. Um, but he and some of his siblings survive their escape down the river. The sun interferes for the first time mm-hmm. to help Sirius, the sun's luminary, yeah. and becomes his guide throughout his time on Earth. Yeah, Sirius is taken in by um, a little girl named Kathleen who lives with her uncle and aunt and cousins. Um, we're somewhere in England. We don't really ever find out where Kathleen is Irish, but was sent to live with them because her dad is in prison and her mom kind of peaced and went to the U S and her aunt is incredibly cruel to her abusive Duffy and her uncle doesn't really notice anything that's going on unless it makes him uncomfortable. Yeah. It's very checked out. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, Um, uh, you know, Relatively wealthy white man. Yes. Uh, Kath- Kathleen names Sirius Leo, and she he becomes her entire life and vice versa. It's really, the book is really a love story about a dog and a yeah. girl. Yeah. <laughs> and they really help each other, you know. Yeah. He grows, he gets huge. Um, I'm not completely sure what type of dog he is supposed to be he is large with red fur Mm -hmm. i think something that's very interesting is that he and his siblings are meant to look like and we'll talk more about this later the hounds of the wild hunt yeah we got wild Um, hunt in this book we've got some wild (laughs) hunt uh if you've listened to our tamsin episode you know how excited that gets us (laughs) So in and in Welsh Welsh mythology, um, the wild hunt, which is in Welsh Queen Enwun, I think. Sorry, hmm. um, they are associated with death because they're you know the spectral hounds yeah. of the mm-hmm. keeper of the underworld. Um, and then the the Celts associated red with death. So the hounds had red ears. They were white with red ears, okay. which keeps being mentioned throughout the book. Yeah, I yeah. just wasn't familiar with that specific piece of mythology. So until, it, until I started doing research, I was like, that's why we hear so much about their red ears. Like cool. that makes much more sense. Um, and I, I kind of thought of them as being like, St. Bernard slash like Malamute mixes. I was seeing them as like setters. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, we're, we're not explicitly told we can, <laughs> we can see them how we want. Cause setters have, can have that white body and, and, you know, auburn or red, like front markings and ears. Um, I was just thinking the, cause they're so big. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was thinking about the way he runs to... So maybe um, a setter Bernard mix. Maybe. Yeah, let us know what kind of dog you think Sirius and his <laughs> siblings are. Besides a 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously a 10 out of 10 good boy. Um, and as he grows, he becomes aware somewhere in his dog brain of who he actually is. He has what he describes as... A, a big green feeling 
um, a vast green sense of loss and a vast green something inside of him, Mm -hmm. which really reminded me of the protagonist's cold foot feeling from Homeward Bound, which was a, you know, analog for depression. But the vast greenness is symbolizing his, uh, you know, hidden potential. Yeah. Um, And the, the power of the earth. That's right, because as Madeline said, he has lots of big dumb dog thoughts, and those really block out his higher faculties. Yeah. So with the son's help, he's trying to figure out where the Zoe is. He's trying to sniff it out. He comes across his brothers and sisters. He figures out how to take off his collar and get out of his fenced-in backyard. The cats that live in the house with him become his friends and help him. Um, He gets a lot of you know sidekicks and assistance throughout the process, but. You know, he'll be out there searching so intent with like a mental map that he's creating of the town to really um, root out where the Zoe is. And mm. then he smells a cake and he's like, woof, 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 woof. <laughs> um, and it takes him a really long time <laughs> yeah. because he effectively wastes months yeah. by just going every day to like hang out with the woman who became his friend who gives him food food. yeah and like hitting up all his spots where he gets treats and then like going and barking at his brothers and sisters yeah and his the female dog is in heat for a while and all the other dogs can only like lay outside of her little enclosure and stare at her just all of their high potential for higher reasoning completely blocked out by like brainstem (laughs) instincts (laughs) Which I, you know, obviously dogs struggle a lot more with that than humans and struggle isn't the right word because they can be like that unless they're Mm -hmm. serious on a quest. But Mm -hmm. I totally, I totally empathize with like, I have all this like adult functioning stuff to do and my brain's like, eat cookie dough and nap. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the it is just like a little more powerful in a poopy pub. Yep. A poopy pub. Um, he meets an important dog named Yef, which yes. is, I, I love that name, yes. um, who is different and cold and kind of distant and haughty. And kind of magical. And, and uh, Sirius smells the zoi on him. Like he gets a strong tingling that he has come to associate with its presence and says, where do you live? Where do you come from? And Yev says, that is my master's knowledge. And only those who run with us can ask of him that question. Yeah. So Sirius realizes that he needs to figure out how to do this. Um, He... uh, is able to, well, first I'll mention, he also meets some really scary women. One is the one who drowned him or attempted to. And the woman with her, he realizes, is his luminary. So she was his assigned companion. companion. She was on his moon, I think, the Mm -hmm. best I can tell. Um, and they were, you know, each other's partners professionally. <laughs> yeah. And, and she was the one who actually pushed um, the woman who, like the dog breeder, who had been kind of like, well, you know, I guess we can like do something with them. Maybe they'll, we can sell them. And then we find out that the companion is actually the one who'd been like, no, drown them. 
Yeah, and not only that, it was her who actually killed the other luminary and blamed it on Mm -hmm. Sirius. So she orchestrated this because she didn't like working with him because he was very angry and had a temper and would often fly into these rages. Um, I get it, but like there are better ways to resolve workplace conflict than framing them for murder. Exactly. She was very manipulative and Mm -hmm. um, evil about it. She didn't deal with it in a in a healthy way. (laughs) And she's come down with the new dog star luminary Mm -hmm. to try to finish the job she started back when he was a puppy trying to kill him. Oh, and part of like a big part of it too is that Sirius wasn't easy for her to manipulate and tell what right. to do and that's why she wanted this other one right the new one is very obedient mm-hmm. um, and they want to kill Sirius and also find the Zoi so they can use it for their own nefarious aims yeah so Sirius is also outrunning them they're being really messy with the way they're trying to kill him and like making themselves pretty apparent to humans yeah um, and they basically like burn a bunch of rooms in Kathleen's house. Kathleen finds out that her dad has died. Um, she yeah. knew that there had been a breakout at the prison where he was, and she was hoping he was going to come find her, but he's dead. And she, everything just sort of finally hits the the Mm -hmm. fan for her. Um, She breaks all of Duffy's pottery. Duffy is a potter. Yeah, (laughs) And at various various points, she's punished by like cats or humans just smashing all of her wares, which is great. We also learn from um, the woman that Sirius gets treats from that the pots are ugly. (laughs) Yeah. Like such a cute Miss Smith is her name, uh, which is such a great detail that Miss Smith is like, those are the most hideous things yeah. I've ever seen. And I could instantly imagine them. Like, I love pottery, but there's I, some I bad could right stuff away be like, there. oh, yeah, they're ugly. Yeah, um, there's some really bad stuff out there. Yeah. And Miss Smith, who like turns out to be like basically a dignitary and how well connected she is, like, she's she, she really saves the day. <laughs> yeah. She's just incredible. Yeah. So the conflict culminates in Sirius and his siblings escaping, um, running into the night. They're fleeing the companion, Sirius's old companion and her new luminary. Um, And they are trying to find Yef and his other, his other dogs. They got to run with the, yeah, they got to run with the wild hunt. They got to run with them. Um, They find them and they participate in the wild hunt. And it is exhausting and thrilling and terrifying. And they pass through into another realm, which is Aaron's domain. So Aaron, we talk more about a little bit, but is the keeper of the Welsh underworld, which is different from the one that we, and they actually call it the other world rather than the underworld. Mm. And it's different from the one that we typically think about within like Greek, Roman or Christian um, theology and folklore. Hades slash Pluto. Yeah. It's actually um, a little bit more fun in the other world. (laughs) Yeah. I got, I got that impression because of like all the giant uh, heap of dogs that the death God (laughs) hangs out with. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Christians call these creatures, you know, the hounds of hell or the dogs of hell and Mm. say they're Satan-owned. But in medieval Welsh tradition, Anwen was a place of plenty and of eternal youth, and it wasn't where you went to be punished. It was just... After death, you which know? is which is a pagan tradition as opposed right. to like the Christian one, like Grace said, right? Exactly. Um, so they hang out with Aaron. Um, he says that they can each ask a wish of him, and people make some confusing wishes. <laughs> Kathleen asks to be able to talk to her dog, and Aaron is like, "Are you sure?" Mm. You want me to do that? So we're clear that there's a trick within the wish, as there always seems to be. And he even warns her. Like, he warns her about the monkey's paw. He really does. (laughs) He really does. Um, And then her brother Robin asks for a puppy, which is very cute, for a puppy from the hunt dogs. (laughs) And her other... Um, I'm sorry, not her brother, her cousin. And then her other cousin, Basil, asks for the Zoe. um, Mm. But Aaron hands the Zoe to Kathleen, and she's actually able to use it. Yeah, Um, She has some kind of connection to it. Um, So Kathleen is able to destroy the baddies with the Zoe, and Sirius then gets the Zoe from her and turns back into his full celestial being self. And he but makes this, a, a quick rock that looks like the Zoe to give to Basil. Right. He makes a, a decoy Zoe. Yeah. <laughs> a Zoe koi. Zoe koi. <laughs> and then he realizes that this means his dog body is dead. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and he has to leave Kathleen and she yeah. can understand him now, but it's because he's no longer a dog. And he's now he's like gone. This, like this deity, like standing above her and giant and intense. And like, he can't like connect with her the same anymore. And it's really painful. <laughs> it's heartbreaking, yeah. especially because there isn't even one of those sort of kind moments where, you know, there is a magical being trapped within a pet body and a child comes to love it and vice versa. And usually at the end, they'll be like, oh, I recognize you. Like I see yes. it in your eyes. I, I love you. Um, right. And there is like a little bit of her being like, oh, it is you. But like I understand no, that it's you. There's no love there. It's too... It's too much of a change. Yeah, no. And if, also if, your dog's body is literally dead on the ground yeah, next to you. Yeah, so like really that's hammering a lot, that home. That's a lot to leap over. Yeah, no. If if that happened to Pig, I would react similarly to I don't Kathleen. even want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, Pig don't is definitely that. not a, a much smarter, higher being trapped no, in a dog's body. I've never so. seen her do anything Anything even remotely similar to Sirius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sirius literally learns how to understand humans yeah. and then tries to learn how to speak English. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. he has a dog mouth. He can't yeah. do it. Yeah. So that at, at that point, Sirius goes back to the sky. He won't find a replacement companion um, because he's hoping for something better in the future and then 
uh, both the son and Sirius sort of guide Kathleen to his sister's new puppies. Mm. Um, and she, so she gets a puppy that looks like him. Yeah. And there is kind of a like, I don't know. I've, I thought at the very end where he was like, um, like hopefully the death God had been right and like something good would happen. I thought it was like that maybe Kathleen could become his companion. I agree. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I, I have little <laughs> chills just thinking about it. Yeah. It's, that's part of the bittersweetness of the ending. It's very much like we can't be together now, but I'm going to, you know, be there and help guide you. Mm-hmm. And maybe someday we can, exist on the same plane again especially because she had that innate understanding of the zoi it seems to point toward her having some greater capability exactly yeah yeah and she has just like an indomitable resilient girl she's amazing she's the amount of strength that she has to keep going under her circumstances is wild it would destroy most people and on the human side of the plot wrap-up kathleen has by the end, run away from Duffy's and gone to Miss Smith's. She is mm-hmm. the woman who became Sirius's friend while he was out exploring the town. And she says that Kathleen should live with her. Yeah, she's just um, like, I will adopt you. I'll be your, your parent I now. Know. It's great. It's really, it's it's great. really lovely. Like yeah. She's an older woman who is an ex-teacher, and she's been very like sad about not being able to... Um, her dog died. She misses uh, her dog prior yeah. to the book, the book's events, and she wants to like be there to help others and help them grow. And then she gets that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and Kathleen's cousins seem like they'll be okay too. Um, their their family is a disaster, um, but mm. they were never abused the way that Kathleen was. No, yeah, she literally had to do all of the chores and cooking and cleaning, and that's another thing that for a like, family of five. Yeah, that's like something that really says like the dad does not give a hoot. He just like doesn't want to be bothered, and because like he doesn't say anything about Kathleen doing all of the chores for the house forever. It's like he he probably. And, and he's notice. the one who is her blood relative. Right. It's his uh, sister's daughter, right? Yeah. 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 I just, I, I had such a strong dislike for him because he was mm-hmm. in a position of so much power and he mm-hmm. never, he almost never used it in a positive way. Yeah, it's in a lot of ways, you know, standing by silently and yeah. being complicit is much yeah. worse than being the active evil force because Duffy, like, we see her, like, bias and her racism and mm-hmm. all of her issues. He's just, like, approving of it by right. not taking a stand. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was bad. <laughs> um, I also just don't understand how the two of them are um, still married because they seem to absolutely hate each to other. To despise but, each I mean, but Duffy despises everything except for her ugly pots. Her pots and her one cat. Yeah. <laughs> Tibbles? Is that his, yeah, her name? but she also beats uh, Tibbles at one she, point. She almost kills Tibbles. Yeah. And. Um, like Sirius the, the intervenes and saves her. Is like described, and it was just like, oh my god! I know. Sirius intervenes and saves her, and that's kind of the beginning of their good friendship. Yeah, um, yeah. which is yeah. very fun. We'll talk about that later. So, 
dog's body impressions. I mean, we've already covered some of these. Yeah. I really loved the book. Um, It also just reminded me of the kind of books I was so obsessed with as a kid. As I said, it has big raw doll energy where like the book is honest about how violent and horrible many adults and also children can be Mm. like they're without kicking it up into territory where it's like, this is clearly fictionalized. Like we get your like everyday racism, your, you know, macroaggressions Mm -hmm. and microaggressions. Um, like the ongoing attempts to snuff out Kathleen's spirit, um, by Duffy and also her older cousin and her younger cousin who like Robin is, you know, trying to help when he can, but, but he's, he's really scared too. And, and yeah, and also very he's, frightened. He's trying to like stay on the good side of his mom and his brother. Right. He needs to act in his like in a self-preserving way. Yeah. And Kathleen it would do anything to be able to keep Sirius or Leo as she calls him. Yeah. And Duffy is constantly threatening her with taking him to the vet to be put down whenever anything bad happens. So she's constantly like, you know, cleaning up his messes right away and he's trying to control himself, but he's in a dog's body. (laughs) So much trauma. Excited and his tail lashes out and knocks things over. And when the cats trick him into going into the pottery studio, but he's smart enough to be like, Oh my God, I see the trap. I see what this is. (laughs) They're trying to kill me. (laughs) And then he still saves uh, Tibbles. After she accidentally smashes. Is a bunch of yeah, yeah, like there's a moment where it's like she's clinging to a shelf by her claws, and like I can see the cat just like scrabbling as things are being destroyed. Definitely seen that happen a number of times in my own life, uh, and I've never taken it out on the cat because it's not their fault, they're just stupid. That's right, <laughs> that is 100% right. Yeah, as the caretaker of three cats who have in the last two days pooped. Outside the litter box four times. Wow, poop party. Because they're mad at me for going on a trip. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, you know, that's just a price you pay for cohabitating with animals. Yep, I did it. It's it's me. Um, My favorite was when you sent me a picture of, like, they TP'd the inside of the they, house. Yeah, yeah. We have to keep the bathroom doors closed um, or else they have the best time yeah, just with the unwinding toilet paper. all of the toilet paper yeah. throughout throughout the house. It's amazing. Um, they, like, beat a paper towel roll to death the other day. <laughs> I just... <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, animals can't control themselves and it's so fun and never cheesy or dumb the yeah. interplay between Sirius's brilliant brain and his dog brain. Yeah. Um and I know that we've covered a lot of books from later in DWJ's career, but it's really interesting to go back to closer to the beginning and see that a lot of her ways of thinking were already fully formed. Mm. Like we have some really classic Jonesisms in this book, like the fantastical being inserted into a very specific period, you know, politically, historically, yeah. within our world. Yeah, so it's very grounded in reality. 
And then also making something intangible and different, difficult to conceptualize, very real with the sun, the earth, with Sirius, the dog star, with the different celestial entities, mm-hmm. um, like taking on corporeal form, but then also still having like light blasting powers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it can shoot um, photon rays. And it's so sweet the way that Saul, as he's known, the sun will like shine little beams down to help guide Sirius. Yeah. yeah. Or he manages to. Um, you know, destroy a few different things. Like he messes up an oil truck by beaming down on it really strong. Or he melts Duffy's pots at one he, point. He melts Duffy's pots. Yeah. Um, he rusts the little hinge on the gate so that it's easier for Sirius to open. It's really cool every time there are these sneaky little ways that just, you know, just light is able to yeah. help out. And then once the Earth gets involved, Earth is really interesting too. Yes. I really like Earth as a concept. I like that Sirius goes into this hole in the ground that's a foxhole. Yeah. Um, and he's smelling the fox, but when he starts talking to the Earth, he thinks it's some like brilliant creature that lives in the hole. Right, yeah, yeah, like an ancient bear or something. <laughs> right, yeah, but it's actually Earth all Earth. around him. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Earth talks about Aaron as her, Aaron as her saddest creature. Yeah. Um, yeah. And wanting to help him as well. Um, and I just love the combination of mythologies and traditions that are present in so much of her work Um, and often I I learn about new things even as like an avid fantasy reader and folklore fan if not scholar no Um, definitely like Like, the red-eared dogs of the wild hunt yeah there's always so much cool pagan mythology in her Mm -hmm. books which isn't a lot of fantasy we just don't we're not really taught it as like a direct like pagan mythology. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really, really appreciate the way that she incorporates it into her magic systems because that's like the true old magic stuff is like more ancient um, mythological traditions, you know? Completely. And I do think that this book also, my final like (laughs) Jonesism that I want to touch on, because we are the preeminent Diana Wynne Jones podcast, (laughs) self-proclaimed. The way that she does include these more nuanced and difficult concepts and then gives the reader the information and just kind of lets them do their own work with it. She Mm. never over-explains. Sometimes I think intentionally under-explains. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, why things are happening the way they are. And like with Archer's Goon, this was also a mystery where she, you know, gives you all the information and then lets you draw your own conclusions. And it's still very much appropriate for young readers. And I think her books never talk down. In fact, they make you feel really smart, regardless of your age, when you do put the pieces together. And they're so rich to reread because you pick up on things that you didn't even think about the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's just she's just so good yeah she's just so good yeah and like when you're a kid reading a book like this you're just absorbing every moment of it like it's such a new way to think about your world your yeah. existence um and like 
there's the theme, the heavy themes of, you know, death versus immortality and like yeah. the fleetingness of human and dog <laughs> existence. Um, and how to mixed. survive in a world where it's, it's difficult to come by happiness. And yeah. like Kathleen has to work really hard to find joyful things, which is why she's so attached to Sirius. Well, right. Or even just body nourishing things. Yeah. Like Sirius is often hungry because Kathleen doesn't have enough money to buy him food. Yeah. And eventually her uncle starts giving her a sort of a, a tiny dog food A very allowance. small amount yeah. of, of money to buy dog and food. And part of what drives Sirius to get out of the yard is just to get more food. He's hungry. He's so hungry. Yeah. Um, so there is also that distinction between like being physically safe and then finding mental fulfillment yes. too. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is also about, really challenging for Kathleen in her life at yeah. school, being bullied, and then with her family too. Like she really has no respite except when she's with Leo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sorry, what were you going to say? Um, and Sirius has to find ways to get mental stimulation as well mm-hmm. because he talks about like when he gets chained up in the yard, like he's so bored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love when, okay, let's just, let's kind of transition into animals, animals? just like animals, animals in this book, because this, this book, book is all about animals. animals. Um, when Sirius first meets other dogs, it's so incredible. First of all, they're his siblings, um, yep. because he's running through town and going up to fences, and the other, you know, would-be drowned puppies who were saved by different people have all ended up, like, kind of in the same area. Um, and the dog has come to the gates, and all we can say are, hello, 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 hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. Hey. Which is exactly what Pig is saying when she barks at dogs from the window. 100%. And he was so hopeful to talk to them, especially because the animals he's been communicating with are cats who do have a lot more going on yeah, yeah. and are able to, you know, in the book and in life, I think, um, think a little bit more critically. Yes. <laughs> yes. And have or more complex plans. Like they're yeah. thinking more critically. But, but also like they genuinely can scheme, like they can yeah. come up with ways to access something. Whereas a dog, it's like brute force. Right. It's more just nothing. like, oh. and yeah. dogs are, are um, cats are much more uh, dexterous. Like in mm-hmm. certain ways, they have more fine motor control than And we dogs. get a lot of that in the book too, where yes. Sirius relies on the cats to pull the little gate hooks mm-hmm. for him. And then Tibbles locks the gate after he gets home every yes. night, which is so Yeah, cute. Yeah, because Sirius just has like big clunky dog paws. Like there's no do it. ability to like, yeah, versus cats can use their little tiny claws to delicately do <laughs> stuff, which I see Mary doing all the time. She's able to open the kitchen cabinet, even though we have a huge chair push in front of it, Mm -hmm. because she hooks her claws in and a hundred times she just tick, tick opens it until there's enough that she can squeeze her paw through and then grab some, some of the kibble that's fallen on the cabinet floor. (sighs) Yeah. It's, uh, there's definitely like, you know, long, um, the long cons going on with cats. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 
Whereas with dogs, it's a little different. And Sirius is so excited to meet his brother, Bruce, who is a bit smarter for whatever reason. And oh, side note, I was really curious. Do we come across their sibling who was saved with the mom and like given proper nourishment when he goes to the farm? Does he see them? Is that the dog that he talks to? But that's a different type of dog. I don't know. Okay. I thought that that sibling would show up and be important at some point. Um, initially, very briefly, I, I thought Yef, Yef was the sibling. Oh, I figured um, Yef is his father. Oh, yeah. You're right. Because he was talking about how, like, sometimes they breed with other dogs. Yeah, you're totally right. I didn't even come up with that. So even though he was a celestial being in a dog's body, he's also a special hunt dog. Right, which which Um, makes sense. That's really interesting. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. See, I didn't even put that together yet. <laughs> but it's it's totally because he has a bunch of siblings around. It's to, it's totally possible that one of them is that dog, and I just didn't notice which one it is. No, you're right. Yeah, there's so many red-eared dogs. Yeah. Which, like, can I live in that town? I it know. Really yeah, I'd all adopt them all. He'll just sleep in a heap of them. I did want to talk a little bit more about the way. Diana describes dogs' thoughts and brains um, because they get some credit too, even though cats are clearly the smarties of the bunch. Yeah. Um, I, like I mentioned earlier, love the greenness that's hidden somewhere inside Sirius because he associates it with being in a big field. Like there's all that vast potential there, but he can't really access it. And the first time he goes out into a field with Kathleen, it triggers like an existential crisis in him. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's when he starts to realize like what he might actually be. Yeah. And at one point he says, the green fire put him in mind of the vast green something inside of him. Mm. It hung drifting behind the warm and stupid dog thoughts. (laughs) And he was becoming seriously afraid that if he did not try to understand it and make it a proper part of him, it would drift into nothing like Mm. the fire from the rocket. So this is when he's watching fireworks on Guy Fawkes Day Uh. and they are really important to him because it's reminding him of the stars and of the vast celestial expanse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it's is, so funny because everyone's like, Kathleen's like, oh, Leo, you won't like the fireworks. Right, so you need you'll to be go scared. inside. And he's like, no, I love them. Yeah. And he's like <laughs> entranced by them. And Sirius is like a kind of a sparkling, colorful star too mm-hmm. in the night sky. I can see it. I, I identified it like a, when we first moved to this house because at night in the winter, the way that we leave the top of the blinds open, um, I can see it uh, like every night during a certain part of the year. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, it was really cool to be like, oh, this book is about Sirius. I know Sirius. My buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I also think the animal relationships and the animal-human relationship between Sirius and Kathleen are what ultimately make this book really accessible for mm. young readers. Like, yeah. And at the same time, like I mentioned, it's never cutesy the way that so much like we're hearing cat and dog thoughts media is. Right. And there aren't those dumb jokes about the natural characteristics of those animals yeah. that would fill like a DreamWorks movie, say. Sure. Yeah. It's um, it's much so I did more that too. Um, earnest and yet mm-hmm. like realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually do think that all of that is what makes it 
so appropriate for young readers and like kids who do feel really unsafe at home or like stuck in these toxic family relationships, Mm -hmm. I think can really gain a lot from reading a book like this. Yeah, no, for sure. It could help to make them feel less alone. So the other animals to talk about are the, I'll try to say it again, Queen Anwoon, the hounds of Anwin, um, the wild hunt. So they were presided over by King Aron, um, and they were associated with migrating geese and whales because their honking in the night <laughs> is reminiscent of barking dogs, which is Wait, really cool. Whales don't honk. No, in Welsh, geese. Ah, in Wales. In, okay. In Wales. I thought you were like in Wales and geese. <laughs> like, what are you okay. talking about? <laughs> in Welsh tradition, <laughs> the Quinn Anwan is associated with honking migrating geese because yes. of the sounds of barking or honking echoing through the night. That's that's great. Yeah, it is a very we really don't get it as much at all up here. Um, probably because the it's not like we don't have the kind of harsh winter where the geese would all fly um, over and out of the Midwest mm-hmm. in the fall. And yeah, you would hear a ton of that honking, mm-hmm. especially if a, like a giant flock went by and it was relatively close to the ground. It's very, very and like can, eerie sound. Exactly. It, it can be really haunting yeah. and very spooky. And mm-hmm. you see their sort of misty forms in the twilight. Yeah. Um, love, love some geese. <laughs> the, so the wild hunt's goal is to hunt wrongdoers into the ground until they can run no longer. Mm. Um, in the same way that those, you know, wrongdoers did to whoever they perpetrated harm against. We talk a lot about this in our Tamsin episode because the wild hunt is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. by the book by Peter S. Beagle, Definitely recommend checking that out if you have. Oh yeah, for sure. Incredible, incredible book, and also very sad. Also very sad. Um, And then Aron also really reminded me of our Black Cauldron episode because I remembered that in the Chronicles of Pridane, the primary antagonist is Aron, the Death Lord. Um, oh, and he, that's why the name sounds familiar, right? Yeah, oh, and he okay. he is like a pretty different version, yeah. Um, because he's evil, you know. Ar- like King Aron is not evil; he just is. Um, he just presides over the dead, whereas Aron Deathlord wants to, you know, take over the living land uh. and make it also a death world. Yeah, um, he, he has expansionist uh, ideas, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, he is uh, interested in expanding his empire. Yeah. Um, but I really liked the depiction of Aron in this book um, and that he's, you know, kind of just like hanging out with his dogs and is unknowable. It's really funny that the humans come down into his kingdom. And it also reminds me of the Over the Garden Wall episode, which we just watched. Oh, totally. Halloween. Yeah. Um, of the pumpkin people yes. who are actually skeletons wearing pumpkins and when the boys come in they say aren't you a little early <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great. Which is great yeah 
So let's get into pretend food. Pretend food. Most of it is uh, food for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just fine. Pretend dog food. I'll take it. Um, I the, the really good dog food starts to show up once Sirius is able to escape his yard because he's really not getting fed very much at the Duffy's. And when Sirius gets out in the world, a lot of people confuse him for the other, for his siblings mm-hmm. who live yeah. in the town. Which gives him kind um, of camouflage. Well, exactly. And I think it helps him get, get more treats. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. When at one point, when he first meets the men who play cards together, they give him a ham sandwich. <laughs> then later, he discovers ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> he says a very small boy reached toward him with a fistful of cold, sweet, white a stuff. A fistful. Sirius ate it all, and that was that. Having discovered ice cream, Sirius could think of nothing else for a while. <laughs> I get that, buddy. I get that. He hunts down the ice cream trucks, the pink fans, <laughs> blue cows on top. Um, and then he follows them and goes up and he learns to beg really well and like look really sad and hungry, yep. you know, no matter where he goes. And then he gets treats. <laughs> Later, he also gets cornflakes as a reward. Yes, yeah, when he scares the quote unquote burglars away. Yeah, Mr. Duffield switched the radio on and remarked that the horse should have some cornflakes too as a reward. So Kathleen put down a snickering golden plateful. <laughs> Sirius loved cornflakes. <laughs> Love that description. Yeah. And then at the end, when they are taking solace in Miss Smith's house, mm. they have buttered scones. Which, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fresh buttered scones made by Miss Smith. Just beyond delicious. Yeah. And in a time when you're looking for comfort and safety, to uh, she she gives Kathleen tea and immediately is just like, let me warm you with yep. food. Yeah, right away is just like, I will take care of you. Let me care for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed the pretend food in this book because food is like all serious can think about most of the time um, because he's a dog. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and it's all I can think about a lot of the time and I'm not a dog, mm. so I can relate. <laughs> and he gets a lot of good raw meat um, and he's constantly, you know, sniffing out things that seem like they might be delicious whenever he's out in the world. He finds dustbins and he's like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he has to rip him himself away from them yeah. in order to like carry on his earth saving quest yep. <laughs> because yeah. if his companion has her way the whole earth could potentially be destroyed so there's the constant tension between that and his urge to dog yeah the immediacy <sighs> of dog thoughts paired with the save the solar system yeah, it's very fun it's just so good yeah God, i just love it yeah. i know that it is a really like painful, sad book, but it's also so fun. I really think that you can overlook, not overlook necessarily, but it's balanced well. And I don't think it comes off as feeling uh, overly uh, dark or depressing. Yeah. I do you feel differently, but you are more sensitive to that than I am. I did enjoy it. Yeah. I, I get, I do appreciate, like it was a really tough start, but I think it starts with like the most brutal part 
um, mm-hmm. since it's literally like someone drowning puppies in a well, sack in the river. So first we have the opening of Sirius on trial for murder, mm-hmm. which is really intense. And we come in at the end of the trial. Right. So we don't have much information about that. And then he's immediately, we're just getting like this sensory overload of like puppy being born, mm-hmm. trying to drink milk and then being drowned. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think that that did help me be like, okay, this is what kind of book this is going to be. And then it starts going into the joyful mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so I, sure. I thought that the, the way the pacing or the way that that is organized is, is it gave me a heads up um, instead of like only having joyful bits and then suddenly you get hit real hard with something bad. Mm-hmm. And the thing is like, we've definitely read books that, like the thief series i think is is very very brutal and more more brutal than this book but this book is just so Diana Wynne Jones is just so emotionally in tune and so mm-hmm. good at evoking really um difficult emotions mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that is a kind of a trip it's a process but i always feel good having made it through the whole book. Um, so that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's it's allowed to be bittersweet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a tough ending, although I do love that the like resolution for all the human characters is like, you get a puppy and yes, you get a puppy yes. and you get a puppy. <laughs> Which is, again, like it's all about finding joy where you can take it. And dogs make things better, especially puppies. Dogs are good. Dogs good. Dog good. Dog God. God <laughs> dog. Get into that in this book as well. Or you can be like uh, our dog pig and come from a charity called God's Dogs. I know, best <laughs> best name for dog rehoming charity. Ever. Sometimes we just look at her and we're like, Pig, you know, you're one of God's stuff. Because <laughs> God picks, okay? Yes, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> badass ladies. Let's pick and rank our badass ladies on the badass lady meter. I'm going to choose Kathleen. Mm -hmm. And uh, my rating for her is a full and joyful life followed by transcending to companionhood after she has lived that full and wonderful life. Heck yeah. Yeah. I am also going to pick Kathleen. I love her so much. How could you not? Even as, you know, a protagonist who's perspective we never really gain access to Mm -hmm. everything's very much through Sirius's eyes and understanding um we see so much of how she is she's so smart and kind and loving and she wants to see the best in everyone she is so attuned to Sirius that she actually does understand that he can understand what she says Mm -hmm. um and that he's really on another level yeah. <laughs> compared to other dogs. Yeah. And instead of everyone else kind of mocking him for being sort of different and freakish, she really celebrates all of his differences. Yeah. She knows how special um, that is. And she would like put down her life for him. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful, as I said, love story between the two of them. 
And it rings true through to the end, even when Sirius is, you know, a God being yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that final scene between them is so sad, but yeah, maybe someday they'll be reunited. My rating for Kathleen is a long and cozy tea at Miss Smith's, which is soon to be her home as yeah. well. I'm so, so glad this All book the ends scones. with her getting adopted by yeah. the like proverbial sweet, kind like witch woman who takes the child in and loves them when they're not having a good life. Yeah, and we haven't even really specifically gotten into her grief surrounding, like, knowing that her parents are truly gone. Yeah. Um, her dad is dead and her mom has, uh, yeah, It's left just out her. of the picture. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do appreciate the way in which that manifests where Kathleen is like, okay, well, now I don't, like, care about any of this other stuff that Duffy is trying to, like, force on me. And mm. then even when her dad dies, Duffy goes on, like, the cruelest tirade of the entire book. And that's when she she's smashes talking about how the awful pots. He is. And then she's like, well, what about this? <laughs> <laughs> I will destroy your livelihood. Yeah. <laughs> you deserve it. That does it for Dog's Body by Diana Wynne Jones. What a fascinating book. I, uh, yeah. w- as with any Diana Wynne Jones book, it's always a struggle to do an episode around it because there's just so much depth and nuance and like so much we could talk about. Yeah. Um, I have a lot more we didn't even touch on about like the race relations laws in the UK and yeah. how new they were because the, the like crappy cop cites them at one point. Right. When the guy when, is like, being like super racist. Yeah. There's a horrible violent. dad being like, well, my son takes after me i don't like the irish either and the to cop the is like cop. yeah the cop, yeah, the cop is, like, is like hey there we have race relations laws yeah, and it's like, like well good thing those laws exist or you could just say whatever horrific <laughs> nonsense like you want his figure is like there's laws against that racism <laughs> and the dad's just like i hate irish people hey. i don't care <laughs> pretty messed up yeah yeah yeah, but you know let us know your thoughts on the book i as with all of jones's books it's it's really interesting and weird yeah Yeah. um and thanks again to chem galaxy quem galaxy for requesting it our next book will be The Arcadians by Lloyd Alexander. And this is one we both did read as kids. So pretty pumped to get into it. Yeah. So that'll be out soon enough. Our schedule continues to be irregular, but we will keep producing. That's the only promise we can make. We will. <laughs> Stick with us. You can find us on the internet at dragonbabiespodcast.com, on Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast, and on Twitter at dragonbabiespod. And while you're at it, check out my Instagram art account, pet account, post whatever, uh, pig and doodles, P-I-G, the letter N-D-O-O-D-L-E-S. Check it out. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Goodbye.